Russell Spiraling Sense of Freedom. This is season two, episode five. My name's Dave, and welcome back. Hopefully, you all listen to this episode. What can I start off with? Probably the main thing England. Linus is absolutely fantastic from start to finish. The whole team, from start of the whole competition to actually just now, not longer, actually winning the actual full European Championship. It's not just a credit to England, they're a credit to themselves, every single individual, every single one of them. Um, I've, I've, I've watched it from the start. I was hooked. I was hooked because, believe it or not, I actually preferred watching the Lionesses to the actual men's. And that's just not a, a cliche I'm trying to drop in there. It's literally the passion they've got for when or when they play and when you see it on the pitch and when they score and even when they go down one nil they didn't go down one nil very often in the whole thing but when they did as a unity and as a team they fought back and it was such a a joyous and very proud moment to to, to see it and to actually watch it live and very well done to them they've beat germany to one extra time winner and Again, I can't fault them from start to finish, all the way from Austria to even beating the Germans, Sweden. I mean, Sweden are like top four. And and they, they breezed them. They absolutely breezed them. They demolished them. And then to go and face Germany in the final. And Germany have played 11 finals and they've not lost a single one. And to see England turn up on the day proud, strong, ready and raring to go, but more importantly, every single one of them at that full-time whistle said not once did they think, even at 1-0 down, they were going to lose the the dug-in and the, the amount of pressure that was on their shoulders and yet they still did very, very well and it's such a credit to actually watch it and I also went down to Bromble Lane and I watched them against Sweden um, I managed to get a lucky ticket, so I uh, I got it the day before, and I couldn't believe my luck when I actually got the the email saying I've actually got the ticket. I was like, what the hell? I was so chuffed and excited for it, but then when I checked on the trains, there was like no trains, it was on strike. I was like, oh great, great start of things to come. So I I jumped on my bike. I'm uh, uh, favourite ever being out on this bike would have been Sheffield, so I was like, well. Let's test it out. See how it goes. And so I attempted it and it, my bike laughed at me. Literally 80, 90, all the way there. No speed limits broken, of course. <clears throat> but um, yeah, literally, I got to Bramble Lane and when I walked out of the concourse and I, and I walked to near the main pitch, you could hear the crowd behind them and I've never, ever witnessed and felt that before such a credible thing to actually feel and of course they played Sweden off the park from start to finish which I don't think many people knew even themselves were going to do and they did it and they did it with such pride and they did it in such a professional way I mean at 5 nil up you're going to start really start showboating and Ellie Toon's goal I suppose maybe it was a bit of a showboat but I just think <sighs> wow Words can't deceive me. They do deceive me on this one. They've done so well from start to finish. And they brought it home. They've absolutely brought it home. 
and I do believe it's it's set a precedent for not just England but the nation to stand up to women's football and 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 pay attention to what it's really about because what all these girls have done not just for themselves of course but of course sorry but for for the nation is number one bring it home and number two they do it in such a professional way the quality spoke out from first kickoff from the first ever game they played and women's football has never really been for a good number of years promoted in such a good way kind of looked down on to be honest with you but what they've set today by winning the whole thing and beating the germans hands down there was there was the best team from the start to finish to be honest with you in my opinion it just shows that people need to really pay attention to the women's football and i believe this is definitely the best way of uh, of women's football to actually try and, and put a stance on it and the wsl is not as big as the premier league don't get me wrong but i really hope one day in the future that it is just as big because the talent they've got in the ranks of not just england but germany sweden even ireland um most nations have got a tremendous amount of credible and decent potential in the women's football and the players are, are pretty much outstanding very much up to if not at the level of the men's and at the end of the day we have to look at the main fact is that england have only brought it home once 1966 and the women's have taken over they've, uh, they've shown it can be done and uh well done well done from from the bottom of my heart really really well done ella tone uh Tusa, i mean all of them they were fantastic i mean my favorite stanway georgia stanway absolutely stunning ah uh, i'm gonna try and wrap my brain here but i'm sure she plays man U. i'm not, not too sure georgia stanway but she's such a fantastic player and when i when i look at her when i see a player i think wow it's just it's just a really good player to watch. Beth Mead, I've won. <laughs> I've won a fair few pennies on Beth Mead scoring first. And she came out to get um, the highest scoring player for the whole competition, Beth Mead. Uh, she is a fantastic player in herself. Really, really good. Holds the ball well. But she's always there in the right place at the right time. Uh, very much a box-to-box -box player. And it's just brilliant to see. But all the team in general have just been absolutely fantastic and all the way from like Kira Walsh, Lee Will Williamson, she named captain, Ella Toon, I'm sure Ella Toon's at Man U, uh, Jill Scott, Georgia Stanway, my favourite, absolutely stunning woman, uh, Kirby, they're all just, they're all, they all played their own part and they all did what they want to do and they did it very, very well and they put women's football on the map which is one of the things, not just for themselves but they did they want to do they wanted to put football for women on the map and show it's just as strong as the men's and i want to you, i can't fault it and i can't fault it from start to finish and um, very well done you brought it home gals you've done a fantastic job you made every single person in this nation proud and i believe and i know there's gonna be big things coming forward for all of women's football it has to be uh, they've set the president now they've done what they've done They've won what they've won and they've done it in such a way where it's made the whole world
pay attention to it and very well done England honestly really good from the bottom of my heart and I enjoyed every single game very well done so me myself it's been a bit of a busy week uh, I didn't record last week um, pure to the fact I was either at Sheffield watching England's game or I went to the um, first Hull City game against Bristol and I was a bit I was a bit nervous to be honest with you any football fans out there maybe listening I was very nervous with Within, um, sorry, with Hull City's first game, um, you got to remember we brought in a lot of new players and a lot of international new players, and I know there's definitely a language barrier within the squad. And when you make so many changes, you kind of hope that it on the pitch it gels, and you know there's going to be a communication error in certain terms regarding the language barrier, but you also want the the squad and the the, the the quality to, to gel on the pitch and so when I arrived at Bristol I'm uh, sorry Earl to watch Bristol first of all I couldn't believe how many were there just under 17,000 turned up in the end and it took me I mean I got there about half past half past two no quarter past two I got there it took me nearly half an hour to get into the stadium the queue to get in the lower west stand oh never done not like it really really long and I mean don't get me wrong it was good to see because Everyone's there to show the support for, for the home team. But it was kind of a bit annoying at the same time because it was warm, it was muggy and everyone just wanted to get into the stadium, have a pant, this is probably personally me talking, uh, and chill out just before kickoff. But I was lucky enough I just got in like quarter to uh, quarter to three I got into the stadium. And I walked onto the concourse and I was so dehydrated from the heat outside, straight to the bar and I actually bought um, like a bottle of Dr. Bear Prosumer. And then I walked through the concourse to the um, alcove to, to walk out to the stadium view. And the atmosphere was absolutely unreal. I've not heard an atmosphere at the MKM Stadium like that in a fair number of years. The uh, the whole stand, the world, south, east, west, north. North was not as full because we did, I think Bristol took about 1,300 fans. So minus that section and then there's a little section between the away fans to the to the next stand the uh it's literally near enough maxed out to to be fair i mean west End you could have fitted a few more in um but it was it was the atmosphere was tremendous and even before kickoff everyone was singing and cheering and, and really putting a good tune out for for the tigers coming onto the pitch which is so good to see and hear and witness and my uh, my my season ticket. I've used my head on this one because I'm so intrigued on not just football in general, but more importantly on my home team. I like to be. I'm a very nosy bastard. That's all I can say. And I like to see what actually happens. What people don't generally hear or see. So <laughs> I will come to this. Um, so basically, I got my season ticket uh, right down in the uh, lower part, just behind the uh where the players are where they all sit and then right where i sit the players um sit behind um, next to me as well so you got the dugout basically i'm right behind the dugout and to the left you've got all the other players so any injured players or any players that have not been in um put into the squad for whatever reason are, are going to be sat there and you do hear some conversations and you also do see a lot of things on the phones <laughs> Skybet being one of them, believe it or not. 
which was quite funny to witness. Um, and so, yeah, I can hear the manager shouting at the team. I can hear uh, Dawson shouting. I can hear what he's saying. I can also hear the players reacting. And I can also hear what the players are talking about to each other, which is really cool. And, yeah, so I finally took my seat and I was pretty giddy at this point. And I looked over to the north stand where the away supporters are. And right next to the away supporters, they've, they've changed the stadium layout. So what they've done is they've entwined and put in basically the loud section of Hull City supporters right next to them, which is a definite good call, in my fairness. It really is a good call because the atmosphere from start to finish was fantastic. you got Bristol singing at Hull, Hull singing at Bristol, and even to the point where each individual stand was singing. And it's just really good to hear with your own ears. The game. Now, City first half, they weren't particularly great. I mean, you've got to remember it's the first game of the season, so there's going to be a fair bit of pressure and nervousness amongst all players, more than anything. Um, but we held our own, we did concede, and it was a set-piece goal. In all fairness, I thought it was very lousy to concede what we did, but when the ball's pinging about in their box... And it just takes one freak little foot to get in the way. And that's pretty much what happened. And he was their highest goal scorer last year. Uh, is it Wayman? I think his name was. Um, he's a little bastard all game. Um, it gets in the wrong places for us. And he causes a bit of mayhem. And of course he scored the first goal for Bristol. So seeing this and witnessing this. The stadium was a bit subdued. A bit quieter than normal. But still getting behind all, no matter what. And there was still a lot of singing, a lot of cheering, and a lot of banter between the Bristol fans and the Hull fans, which all the stadium could hear. Uh, and so Hull persevered and, and kept pushing on. Now, I did finish first half 1-0 to Bristol, which we had, our, we had our chances first half. We did. We had a one-on-one -on -one with a keeper, but we flunked it. And we also had a few little uh, good possessions of, of passing in the final third which was which is what we want to see for a team that have only just been put together over the last four weeks previous so to see it on the pitch was good um, and, and Hull did have the moments first half but they just looked in the final third a bit secluded and kind of not too sure what to do um, they was getting to the final third and then there was just they seemed to keep passing back after that they just wanted to keep possession and Maybe, I don't know, break a bit of space between Bristol's back three or I think it'll be three or four, I can't remember. But, and just create a bit of space between them. Um, but second half kicked off and to be honest with you, they played out the skins. Uh, first five minutes, unbelievable. We uh, we signed a, a player, uh, Siri from Fulham. Now I watched him at Fulham last year when Fulham got promoted. And Fulham was an outstanding team anyway and they had a fantastic squad. And Siri was very much a playmaker for them. So he played like CDM centre mid in between. And he was very much like a... How can I explain it? Very much like a like a Huddleston player. A Tom Huddleston. We used to have Tom Huddleston. Uh, very much like him. But with Siri, he hasn't got the height. So when I was watching him, he was losing a hell of a lot of one-on-ones in the air for headers. Uh, and it was it kind of got boring at the end because... For a player of such quality to, to lose so many one-on-ones, it kind of grated on me a bit during the game. But he made up for it in every other aspect. 
as soon as the ball because it's a very much a, as soon as the ball goes to his feet calm collective controlled and he was definitely a Huddleston player where he would look for the pass and, and forward think and it's what City need in midfield uh, especially a CDM player and yes he'll come back now and then and, and defend if need be but he's very much a, a forward thinking player and he was he was he was brilliant it really was the second half is shown it really did shown and it just shows basically where city want to go uh, this season and signing players like him he's is is unreal he really is and to get him on a free transfer as well i mean i don't know what his wages are but i know for a fact that they are going to be uh, cheap he's not going to be cheap but i just think he's a player of that we really need at the time and he played really well and the good thing as well we've got Greaves and he's a he's a centre back for Hull very tall homegrown player and every time Siri lost a header there was always Greaves there to, to mop it up which was always always good to see but Siri though for a, for a midfielder brilliant first game for him and very much a very good credit to the badge that he's got on and the shirt that he wears Another player I'd like to mention was uh, Tufan. Now, Tufan's a midfielder. Him, in general, I wasn't too sure about him at the start. Now, he's young, and... It came from Fedebache. Now, he had a good season from last year. He did. Um, he's not an out-and-out -and -out goal scorer, but he's more of a playmaker. When I first saw him on the pitch, my first personal opinion, I thought he looked overweight. I thought he looked quite on the big side for for a young, healthy uh, midfielder. And I've heard reports from Watford that when he was at Watford just before, because he left Fidibacher, he was at Watford for a bit, and we got him from, from there. And... Well, sorry, we got it from Fedebache, but when at Watford, I heard reports, sorry, um, that he was very much of a lazy player. Don't like trekking back, um, likes the ball to be put to his feet, and then he does what he wants to from there, which is, I suppose, is fair enough. Uh, Turkish player, out and out. Um, Turkish national player as well. Um, and at first, like I was saying, I did think he looked a bit overweight. First half, he was sloppy, very sloppy. He was losing the ball st stupidly a few times that I remember. One touch too many. Didn't look up quick enough. Uh, next thing you know, he, he was hounded by two or three Bristol players and uh, he was losing the ball stupidly. And I know for a fact he heard that crowd get behind him and say, you know, not booing, but you know, when he made a mistake, he heard the crowd behind him and they told him so. And I know for a fact at half-time, Schlotter, the manager, has probably said something to him very similar. And second half, first 10 minutes, he played out of his skin. I found rightly, he was coming back in defence, in defending as well. He was, at one point, we'd lost the ball in midfield and it ran through and he came all the way back from midfield by himself, sprinted probably about 15, 15 20 yards and got a tackle and actually won the ball back for Hull. Now, them kind of players we need in the Championship. Uh, championship in England is a very hard division to get out of. So you need players that are willing to, to trip back as well as go forward. And for the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, he, he really proved that he can do it. It's just a shame that I thought that the the crowd had to get behind him to, to tell him, look, pull your finger out. But he made it through with a penalty. So 
we uh, Benjamin Mende is another player that we signed and he came on probably in the 60th minute or 65th minute very tall Turkish forward very tall but I like tall forwards it just reminds me of oh, what's his name who used to play for Stoke Crouch like Crouch kind of player when City players sometimes they like to hit the ball over the top and last year it never really worked for us and I think it's probably why we conceded more goals than what we wanted to um, hitting the ball over the top has got its perks don't get me wrong if you've got a quick midfield or very quick forward or you've got a forward that's very tall but when the ball hits his feet he can hold it up for the midfielders to catch up you're onto a good one we never had that last year and we kept playing like that last year and I think a lot of the games we lost last year is because we couldn't hold the ball up long enough and strong enough for any support to come forward for Hull to hit the counter. As soon as Benjamin Mendy came on, you could see the difference. Now, Hull still keep playing them kind of balls now and then. Greaves loves it. He either plays down the wing or he'll hit the ball over the top. And with Benjamin Mendy, you've got the credible forward that will, if that ball hits his feet, it will either hold it up or if the ball's high enough, he's got the pace to catch it up. And on the one attack that we did have, the ball came over the top and Benjamin Mendy's pace just shone, really shone, absolutely unreal. He's one of those players that I think will do really well at Hull because of that reason that he literally looks really comfortable on the ball. And of course, when Hull had a, a corner, he was in the box ready for it. The ball came to his feet and... Because he had such calm and collectiveness. Yeah, don't get me wrong, the penalty I thought was a bit 50-50. Mm, because when it did get clipped, it, it looked like it took him about three seconds to go down, to be honest with you. But he still went down and the referee gave it. And of course, the daddy, two fans, stepped up and scored. So, all in all, the players that we've got and signed, I'm very happy with. I am at the moment. Um... We we signed another player. He's a forward, but we kind of he plays out more at the wing. Um, and I'm going to try and pronounce his name, but Aliar. He's a, another Turkish international, and he's a small little whippy little thing. And he was causing mayhem to the Bristol defence from start to finish. You put that ball to his feet. He's not scared to run at defenders and create space to whip the ball in. So when you got a player like his calibre, waiting for that ball to hit his feet. For him to run down the wing and he's more than happy to set the left back or the right back on and then whip that ball in and you've got Benjamin sat there waiting just for that ball to, to hit the right spot. I think the season's going to be really good. The whole game from start to finish, there was a lot of perks watching it and I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it and the atmosphere, like I said, was really, really good and I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing how the season's going to progress for Hull. The support is back because we've got rid of the Alums. Well, I say we got rid of them, we didn't. It was the old owners. And for the last eight years, the first year, it was fantastic. There was willing to plow money in. And of course, we was looking enough to get promoted to the Premier League. So I think that's why there was more than happy to plow money in. But of course, when we got relegated from the Premier League to the Championship, there was a bit more secluded in what money to put into the club and when to open their checkbook, which is not really what you want in a chairman and of course when we got relegated again to division one 
or League One, sorry, it kind of dried up then. The checkbook just really dried up, and we were signing players that weren't particularly brilliant, but we we did it. We we got promoted first time of asking from League One back to the Championship. So you give credit where credit's due, but I do believe it's more down to the players that we already had at the team at the at the club that made that work. And of course, now we have now changed completely and we've got a new owner and I do believe that what he says about the club and what he wants to bring into the club um, just it's just what we really need at this time we've got a, a fair number of young players still in the squad that have come through the youth system Greaves being one um, that have come through the youth, the youth system and they're, they're, they're doing well Louis Call being another even Slater, fantastic player and the new owners come in with a passion and a belief and he loves football i believe it runs with veins and he's he's made small changes to the stadium layout regarding the away support he's also made the changes to the pricing for the mkm stadium which is a brilliant thing for the whole city in, in general but more importantly he's, he's more than happy to open his checkbook and if there's the right player that wants to come for the right price he will do it and he will pay the money that's needed for this. Getting uh, Nathan Baxter on loan from Chelsea with a view to buy after the loan agreement was a fantastic signing for Hull. He had a storm of a season last year. And I'm so chuffed that they actually opened the checkbook to get that player of that calibre back to the MKM Stadium. But more importantly, having Matt Ingram behind him to put pressure on Baxter to keep performing well. It's just, it works really well for Hull and... I think from what I've seen on the pitch, they've got a very, very good chance of doing very well this season. This season. And I really hope that I don't chew my words because this time last year when we beat Preston at home for the first se- uh, first game of the season, we absolutely demolished them. I, I believe it was 4-1 in the end, or 3-1. And it slowly was okay for the first 10 games of the season. After that, it went slowly downhill. Um, I just believe the homegrown players that we've got in the squad at the moment and if Greaves does want to sign a new contract, I believe he will. And then to the eight additions that we've already added to the squad, I believe once that properly gels on the pitch, we are going to have a phenomenal season. And mark my words, I believe we'll be in top six this year. I really do. This season, I think we'll be in top six. And again, we won 2 1 against Bristol, by the way. Series scored the winner. Mess- massive deflection, but who cares? When it goes in the back of the net, it goes in the back of the net. So who cares? But yeah, so went to go and watch England in um, Bramall Lane at Sheffield, and again that was ugh, words can't deceive me on that one. The the atmosphere, I think, it was like twenty eight and a half thousand there, and Bramall Lane's a fantastic stadium at the best of times. But when you've got an England team there that are doing really well, and you've got all the support behind them, willing and pushing. And, and, and cheering and, and 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 screaming at every lost pass or every dodgy tackle that was against England. Um, it, it's definitely the fifth man for England that that they definitely needed. And looking at the uh, the uh, attendances throughout the whole competition for England, they've always gone up. I mean, Christ, have just sold out Wembley, eighty-seven and a half thousand, I think it was, or something, just under. Uh, credit to England. So. Again, England fantastic, brilliant, well done girls and Hull winning the first game of the season 
it's Bristol, don't get me on Bristol that great, but still a win is a win and roll on Preston away next game I believe we are. So fingers crossed. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's Preston away I think we've got next. So looking forward to that one. Now, what have I been up to? Hmm. God almighty. Just gonna take a sip of my little drink here. So there's a few things in my life that really uh, I wanted to change and I wanted to put a bit of money into I suppose one of them was to um, support a local um, either a charity or some kind of school in Hull which I do I promote and, and sponsor for the year uh, and finance uh, BB Dance Magic which is a local dance school in Hull um, for all the young kids to dance and what they'll do is they'll they'll train in that for the year and they'll do shows every couple of months certain destinations in England in, in England in Hull and I went to see one today um, at Hull College at Riverside the building's called Riverside and I walked in and literally the place was packed so I walked in and I watched um all the young little kids do these little um, these little shows, like different age categories have their own little um, dance show and stuff. And I'll tell you what, I was immensely proud. Immensely proud. Each individual kid had the, the biggest grin on their face. It was either waving at the parents or there was real giddy. And I don't think a single one of them put a foot wrong in any one of their performances. And the pride that radiated off their little face once they'd completed their little regime and their little dance and it was such a nice thing to witness it really was and it wasn't just me there i think there was about a hundred other adults and um, parents and their either the mums the fathers and aunties grandmas granddads the far so it was all there to witness these kids do what they wanted to do and to be honest with you when i stumbled across what becky the the girl that runs it all becky when I stumbled across what she did uh, probably over a year ago now, I was in, intrigued and I wanted to see how far they can go and if I could help in any way. And so I did. I, I contacted Independently, which I mentioned on my last episode, I believe, uh, to see where I can help. And of course, yep, I uh, I helped them the best way I probably could. And I found, I've now financed them for the rest of the year. And going to that show today made me immensely proud. I mean, I've got no kids um, but just to see all their kids on that dance floor with all the lights above their heads and the music playing and every one of them grinning from ear to ear and doing their own dance routine that they've been taught for a fair number of weeks and to do it in such a big crowd, in front of a big crowd was immensely, immensely great to see and witness. I really was chuffed for them all and well done to BB Dance Magic and, and their full show. Um, I was really chuffed to actually um, get there and, uh, and witness it all with my own eyes exactly what's going on there and becky who organizes it all she's done a fantastic job from start to finish i know it's not the easiest thing to do because she's organizing a lot of kids all at once and doing a lot of shows um all at once and sometimes it might get a bit on top of her but she's she's plodded on and she's doing well and she, the the main thing is she never gives up and seeing those kids on the final dance on the final shows uh, what they've all been training up to was immensely, must be immensely proud for Becky and the parents to see, and not to mention the kids that have actually participated and done it. So, yeah, I was really chuffed to see that today, really was. Uh, another thing that I actually have done, 
Um, I'm going back to a little thing that I've mentioned longer. I'm getting a set of new teeth. Hmm, I know. Shite in it. When I was younger, I used to grind my teeth like crazy when I was a kid. And I made some pretty bad damage on the rears, uh, right at the very back on the lower. And ever since then, it's just slowly started uh, wearing away my teeth. And I was just doing my head and I thought, I need to get this sorted. And of course, a couple of years goes by and the COVID kicks in. And I'm like, oh, I can't even get to the dentist. Now the COVID's kind of disappeared, thank God. Um, I managed to go private and, and go private with a, with a local dentist not far from me. And... <laughs> horrible experience really horrible so when you first go to these private dentists you have to pay a good substantial amount of money to go and get checked out and you get all scans and stuff on your teeth and they tell you what you need to to do to improve or change or get done to your teeth to try and go forward so cut a long story short i had to get five teeth out uh three of them lucky enough were three together uh what it was when i was a kid i had two caps on two of my teeth and during rugby, I'd knocked both caps out in a tackle, and I never bothered, bothered replacing them. I was probably well, I was quite young at the time, and never bothered replacing them after that. And so I just the two little stumps of the teeth, the original teeth that was underneath the caps, still left. Um, and after a period of time, they'd um, I don't know if they got an infection or they were a bit loose. I can't remember. The dentist went English, so I couldn't really figure out exactly what he meant. But he said they need taken out. So I was like, fair dues. Um, so I've got them three taken out, and then the opposite side on the lower part of my tooth, uh, teeth, we had to get that one taken out as well. And then on my two, of all teeth to happen to, my front teeth, the two middle teeth, I've got a little hole, a small little little hole, pinprick hole in one of my teeth. So they're going to repair that. Once that's done, I've already, well, I've already had three of them taken out. I'm back tomorrow to get the other two taken out on my lower teeth. And then, tomorrow as well, he's going to do the little hole in my two front teeth. He's going to replace, um, not replace, but do whatever it needs to. Like, not take it out, but just repair it. Then I'm getting veneers. Veneers. Um, I get a full set of bottom veneers. This is why I had to get the uh, the five teeth taken out, because he said uh, he could put veneers on them, but there was ever so slightly infected. It was white. Yeah, that's what it was. It was infected ever so slightly, so they need to be taken out because you can have veneers on, you can't put veneers on top of infected teeth because the teeth below it will get infected and infected gum. So they said you're going to have to spend a good few thousand pounds to, and that's how much it costs. Well, not, I'll get to the price in a minute. Uh, he said you're going to spend a fair bit of money to get these teeth taken out and get all the repair work done before you can get the veneers put in. So I was like, yep, we'll go with that, that's fine. I'm lucky enough from a full top set of my teeth, absolutely cock on minus a little hole in the two front two. I said to the top teeth are fine, which are going to be anyway because your grinding teeth are the bottom set. So I was lucky enough anyway, my top ones are fine. So I've had three taken out, I've got another two to do tomorrow, and then there's a little hole done on the top two front teeth, and then that's it, done, dusted. Then I get my full bottom set of veneers um, fitted. And then I've already spoke to him independently, and I said, look, he said, do you want to get the veneers on the top? So I said at first, I was like, yeah, we'll do it. And then he mentioned the price, so I was like, wow, let's just think what other options we've got here. Um, so he said, well, to be honest with you, your front set of teeth, your top part are fine. Um, but what he suggested was to get them whitened to match the veneers on the bottom. So I said, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Now, the <laughs> the price, Jesus. Now, to get seen 
just by the dentist and get these pictures taken and, and get a, um, like an x-ray of your, your teeth and checked out fully, it was 96 quid, 96 pound, just to get that part done. You get an x-ray, you get fully checked out, and then you get a picture on the screen and it tells you, the dentist, what repairs and what changes need to be done. So I thought, that's not bad, not bad, done, dusted. Then to get each individual's tooth taken out, £180. £180. So, I did five taken out. You can do the maths. So we're talking nearly £800 just for that. Then, bottom veneers. Just the bottom veneers once these teeth have been taken out. Just the full set of bottom veneers. And I've gone for the expensive ones where... You can get two different types of veneers. You can get one that um, attaches to your bottom part, um, the lower part of your mouth behind your teeth, or you can, uh, which it looks like a gummy kind of colour. It's really weird. But then you can get like a metal type, which apparently is more comfortable. So as soon as he said, oh, you can get the more comfortable type, bit extra cost. I was like, no, not more comfortable. That'll do me. That'll do me. So just for the bottom set alone, it was eight hundred quid, which I thought wasn't that bad. And they're all individually made and they all will fit in between the original teeth that I've got left. <laughs> and there's a few left at the bottom part of my mouth, don't get me wrong. And and they will fit in between them and, and, and literally just look just as normal as a normal set of good teeth. And then the upper part, 750 quid to get whitened. So all in all, I was near enough one and a half grand. And then, how much did it cost all in all? So... £100 to get seen, or just under 800 to get the teeth taken out, and then another 750 to get my veneers shaped and ready and done dusted for the bottom part of my teeth, and the white 750 at the top. So, yeah, you're talking near enough to an half, it's nearly three grand it cost me. Dirt. Dirt, I know, no, kill me, but I need to do him. I need to do him. And. You know, the worst part was horrible it was. I mean, I don't like needles. I can't stand them. I never had from from a kid. I never liked needles. Um, and believe it or not, the needle part on the whole thing was probably the most minimalistic of pain you could ever feel. It literally was what they say when you're a kid. You'll, hit, you'll feel a scratch. And that's pretty much what it was. The horrible part is when they're pulling the teeth out. And you can hear in your head, in your skull, the grinding of teeth getting pulled out that's what it felt like because i my first set of three were next to each other so to get one out and then the next one the next one every like you're gonna hear one to have ground on the other oh the noise was horrible it was sending shivers down my spine it really was but credit where's credit due the dentist was phenomenal and he talked to me all the way through he kept me nice and calm we got the first three teeth out and everything was actually quite, quite good. We had to actually put a stitch into my gum after it because three teeth out all in once means you get a lot of gum on show. And to get that to heal properly, it's a lot harder than if it was like one or two teeth. So what he did is he put a couple of stitches into the gum to push it together and he said, right, literally it's going to take a week to heal. Uh, once the gum's healed, it will settle and it'll go hard. That's when the veneers can sit on top. Um, and that's why we've had to take these teeth out for either the infection part or for the gum touch will settle, of course, afterwards. So it all works out in the end. <sighs> Horrible feeling. Really was. And I remember sitting there on this frigging bench and bearing in mind it was like 40. It was one of the hottest days of the year when I went on the Tuesday. So they had the window open and the whole dentist, private dentist, by the way. 
and you can hardly feel any breeze from the wind and I was sweating bricks and then add that to hearing the grinding and the, the noise of my teeth getting pulled it's like oh and then he said at the end he said I don't want to see your teeth I was like oh not really he said oh okay you've seen this down here and I looked down at his bloody silver plate thing and he's like my teeth there I went oh you dickhead and I looked at my teeth I didn't want to see him but yeah I looked at my teeth and I was like oh that's disgusting all the blood and tooth and that ugh disgusting so yeah so I'm back tomorrow to get less two out the next two out no I'm back tomorrow to get the one more out on my left, on my right side lower. And then at the same time, I'm going to repair the little, little, little hole on my front two teeth, which I'm, I must have done somehow. I don't know how I've done it. So I'm going to repair that. And then I go back the following week to get the full set of veneers done. And he's going to whiten my top part at the same time. So I'm all in all three grand in. Three grand in. But I know from even what he said, he said once they're done and they're done properly and you've gone private, so you paid the money literally for it, uh, you will um, have a guarantee as well. So for the next 10 years, if any of the issues happens, just come back in and we'll, we'll either repair or sort it out or whatever issues you've got, we'll get it done dusted. So that kind of put me at ease. But yeah, just under three grand, it cost me all enough lump teeth. Um, and I'm only halfway through it now. I thought, looking at all these YouTubers online and all these sports personalities and stuff like that. I've got shiny new beautiful little tushes. I thought it was just like literally a day thing, but no, literally not in my case. It's literally gonna be all in all one about six weeks it takes me to get it all from start to finish done and dusted. So but I'm looking forward to the final, final thing where I can smile and not be so embarrassed by the tushes that I've lost for either rugby when I was a kid. I grind them when I was a kid, and I've just not bothered getting them repaired. So it was my own fault from start to finish from a young age of this happening. But there's light at the end of the tunnel, so I'm looking forward to finally being able to smile and smile with pride and passion again. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, gym thing's going well. Uh, the diet's going very well. I've not actually failed on the diet once in the last eight weeks. And I say failed... I mean, literally where I've just thought, oh, I can't be asked for this. And I've just literally gone back and just done what I used to do. Just eat what I want, do what I want. I've actually done really well. So the gym I go two to three times a week still. Uh, and all I'm doing is building my upper torso, um, mass up. That's all I'm doing. I don't do fitness. Can't be asked for that shit. It's more just a mass and just a build up. And literally all I eat is pasties and salads, fish and meats. Um... And pretty much that is it. If I drink any alcohol, it's literally just distilled either spirits with Diet Coke or whatever. No beer. Beer's cut out and it has been for a fair while now. Uh, and I've been sticking to it well. So I am just over half a stone. And I have been just over half a stone. Um, lost in weight for the last three weeks. I'm happy with that. Um, there is a bit of a, fluctu a fluctuation where a couple of pounds different now and then. But the scales that I've got, they're electronical and I don't like them very much. So I'm not too sure. So I might start weighing myself at the gym again, I think, which I don't like doing. But it's going in the right direction. To be honest with you, if I can lose my, my gut, I'm more than happy because I'm just under six foot. I'm a bigger built guy. I'm not fat at top. I've just got a bit of a beer belly, even though I don't drink beer very... Well, I do drink it, but I don't drink it like to get a beer belly, I would think. Um... And I'm starting to lose that now, which is good. Uh, the proportion of my body I'm more than happy with due to my size and height. So if I can just lose this beer belly and just get a bit turned up, that's literally where I want to be. Um, I did say that by the 10th of August, my 35th birthday, I was going to say 34, but it's definitely 35th, I want to be about 
16 stone. That's what I want it to be at. I'm about just over 16 and a half. I'm not far off. Um, things like this don't change overnight. Perseverance is key. And it always has been. And if you see... One sec, taking a drink. If you see a lot of minute changes now and then, it's enough to keep you going. Um, and I do see minute ever so changes. I'm a bit more athletic in what I do in general. Um, in life. I'm a day-to-day thing. So when I go to the gym, a bit more athletic regarding that. So full of beans kind of thing. Which is the foods that I'm, I'm, I'm intaking. Um, I didn't realise the amount. Because when I used to be back in the day on the old takeaways or buying the food shops and they involve pizzas and just the fatty processed foods you feel so lethargic when you've eaten them it's like oh god you can't be asked to move or do anything and that's because of the the food that you're intaking and ever since i've gone to the salads protein the chicken the meats pastas literally you, you you're more full of beans you want to do things during the day so you get up earlier. You're more than happy to do things physically. And you can see the difference when I go to the gym or do anything exercise-wise. You're more full of it and wanting to do it. Whereas back when I was on them shitty foods, it's just, nah, not going to happen. So I'm happy with the progress at the moment. I will keep people um, up to date on it. Um, but in all fairness, I never thought it would be an overnight thing. So it's always going to be something I'll keep working on. And yeah, don't get me wrong. When Now the football season's kicked off, every Saturday... I will either be in pub, and I only drink double JDs and Cokes. That's all I drink in, in pub, which is a more of a expensive lifestyle uh, lifestyle because in my local pub, for example, they're about seven quid each. But beer, God almighty, I can't drink beer for the life of me, and it blows me up like crazy, and the amount of yeast that's in it, you don't want it in your body. Very much like a loaf of bread, you don't want that in your body either. Uh, and so when I do go out every Saturday when the football's on, I will be doing the spirit kind of regime which i have been doing for the last eight weeks and i've not followed on it and i've done really well so I'm, I'm pretty chuffed that i've stuck with it and i'm doing i'm, I'm doing okay i'm doing all right i'm not 40 stolen muscled up like fucking the rock or like that and i, I don't want to be like that but i just want to like i say just lose my gut get a bit more toned and just feel a bit more healthy in myself and at the moment in time it's going what i want it to go like at the moment so um i do need to mention one thing um unfortunately max my cat a bit of a diet thing this in it considering i'm going from the gym in england and hull and all that uh my cat is uh, died um sadly has passed away uh no well it was a follow me on i suppose he was coming up to the age where he started to meow a lot at the door being a male, I thought, that ah, yeah, it's time to get him snipped, get him ball sack off him, and um, try and mellow the, mellow the boy out. So I rang my local vets, Kingston, just down the road from me, got him booked in for, for a few days later. And as I've gone out my apartment, my apartment door sl- uh, closes really slow. And what he's done is got out, and I've not seen him, and he's run up the stairs in my communal hall. Again, not seen it. And as I walk back in to grab my helmet and jump on my bike to go somewhere, I've not known he's come back down and he's managed to get out of the back door managed to get out of the back door I even mean, i don't want him out not for that week anyway because i knew it was in mate not mating stage but it wanted to mate and when a male cat wants to mate they roam and they roam very far to try and get something to mate with it's just one of those things that the cats do so i've got back in from where where i wanted to where i've been um 
and I couldn't find him. I was like, what? And I'd left my bathroom window open, but I know for a fact I couldn't get up there. It's too high up because I've got big, massive bay windows in my apartment. They're huge. And yes, he's got good claws and he's very agile, but I knew he wouldn't get out that way. And I couldn't find him for the sake of me. And that's when it dawned on me as he got out when I've opened that frigging door. And it was about two to three days, nothing. Whistling outside, could not get any response. Now, bear in mind, before, he used to go outside. If I whistle, he'll be straight to me. Meowing, crazy, rubbing himself on me. Straight in, he was like a, like a dog. Basically, he'd follow where I would go. I loved him for that, I really did. And um, I was whistling and, and, and um, calling, and he just wasn't coming back. And then I had a brainwave one night when I sat at home um, to go on the Facebook page of um, the old pets that had been lost. And then it dawned on me when I was scrolling through, when I joined them. And there was a picture of a woman holding Max's collar up. And uh, it was just his collar. And uh, a little message about it saying, uh, this is just the collar of a cat that's um, unfortunately died behind my workplace on Beverly Road. And I looked at the collar, I was like, oh, and it was Max's collar. So I messaged her independently. I said, Where was it? And she went, Oh, it's probably about. And she told me where it was. I won't tell anyone on the year, but uh, she showed me where it was. And I was like, God, that's literally hat over a mile away. So it roamed over a mile. So I asked her, I said, Did he get hit? Was he hit by a car? Was anything happened to him? And she's like, No. Couldn't figure anything out. There's no markings on him or anything regarding damage or hair or anything like that. So what I think had happened is when I let him out, normally when I let him out previously to get him back in, you just don't feed him because he knows where his food's given. So he'll always come back. When I'd gone out that morning, I'd not had a chance to feed him. So he'd gone, when he'd managed to get out, he'd gone nearly three to four days with no food and water and I don't think he'd had food and water for three days. Three to four days. Um, and I think that's what's killed him, bless him. And, I, and yeah, I've lost my cat because of it. My fault of my own, it is. Um, and he was such an adorable little cat, but um, yeah, he's not not with us no more now. Um, and they had um, had loads of um, loads of cat food, like big boxes of cat food, of whiskers and all the expensive cat foods in that cupboard. And I spoke to my neighbour um, on the next block to me. I know he's got two cats. And he was just pulling out on his car. I said, "Oh, can I just grab you for thirty seconds, mate?" So I said, "Yeah, of course, I can." So I said to him, look, um, this is what's happened to Max, um, but I've got all these sashes, literally over a hundred, over a hundred sashes and two big boxes, um, and ex these really expensive cat biscuits. Um, would you, do you want them? And he's like, well, yeah, I'll have them, but do you want anything for them? I was like, no, 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 no. So I'd rather go to someone who's got a cat and then I'll go to feeding your two cats because I'm not going to eat it myself so he's like oh do you want to get another cat so I said no because I've, I've failed on this one I've failed I've, he was I was just, his life was responsible on my shoulders and for me to let him get out like that even though I wanted him in knowing he was getting the chop like three days later it was my me letting myself down um, and I don't want another cat now but um, yeah so Max isn't with me no more now which is a sad sad thing to mention sad thing to talk about but yeah it's a lovely little thing it was it really was so anyway let's try and move into something a bit more upbeat if you don't mind um i got a question um i got a question sent in on my instagram 
um, by a girl called Stevie, and she's from Bradford. I actually had to message her back and say where you're from because, of course, on Instagram, it doesn't tell you the location where they're from. Um, so I said, "Oh, where are you from?" So I can put it on the um, on the on the podcast. Went, oh, I'm from Bradford. So I was like, "Oh, brilliant. Okay, I'll, can I, can I use your question?" And she went, "Course, can." So brilliant. So she asked, um, "I really feel men should really speak more. It's really good to hear men vent as us women do." And that's all she put, and then she put a love out like thing at the end. I agree. I totally agree. Um, men and women. At the end of the day, we all have hearts. We all breathe the same oxygen because there's a stigma going on in this world not just in england but everywhere that men can't speak about their issues and if they do they'll either be ridiculed by either other men or ridiculed in general by the general public rather either by social media or just in general by the news portraying that it's not should be, it should not be done i disagree with it fully the women doing the England thing and, and, and bringing it home for the country proves that women have a very good stance and they've done mightily, mightily great and they've made the country mightily proud. And I do believe men themselves also need to have a voice. Women have spoken out in many ways, shape and form, whether it's either through sport or through anything that they want to speak out in. And if they've got issues, they speak and it's the best thing that I've ever done in making that wise choice and decision and actually speaking out because I've been through from some shits in my life, just like the next best person. And I still go through shit now. I do, daily. But getting on this mic, for example, is enough for me to vent because I can... If anyone knows me, my group of mates aren't the most... aren't the, the people that I really want to vent to. Because when they're in a group, they can be very immature, I believe, in certain terms. And I feel stupid to mention anything that's personal to me. Individually, you can do. You can speak to any one of them. And they'll all be really nice back and listen to what I've got to say and and put their own personal opinion on it. But for some reason, when a group of men come together, if you mention any issue regarding anything regarding anxiety or depression or stupid thoughts or anything in between uh it's it's harder it's harder to to get the right relevant communication i believe now i don't know if it's like this in general with the the whole wide population of men or it might be just me but i found it harder that way and so the way i've been is talking to my mic as i am now and i always will do and in my head, it's entirely up to the people to listen or not listen. I don't really, I don't, I don't care. Um, I care enough to want to record and say what I want to say, but I don't care if people just don't want to listen. I wouldn't care if it was one listener. I really wouldn't. Because just speaking as I speak is enough to clear my mind in certain terms and, and help me move forward in life. And the question that Stevie sent him, in all fairness, hits it right down to the point. If females are happy, more than happy to hear men vent and men speak about their feelings and what's going on in their lives, then what are men really embarrassed about to do it for? What's making them shy away? Because the women are happy to hear it. So it must be other men that are just not in tuned. 
not ready to hear, not wanting to open their mind up to what actually goes on on day-to-day life. Because I've been through some dark, horrible days. I really have. I mean, I need, oh, I want to mention one dark day. Do I really? Oh, I'd... I one my darkest day is when I was twenty two. No, was I younger? I might have been twenty. Um my most stupidest move most horrible decision I let myself down and to this day I still think about it. I um I was in a long-term relationship with an, uh, an ex-partner called Stacey. I'll even tell her name now, I don't care. And it was a very, very toxic relationship. And this girl in question, if she's had a drink or she's had too much a drink, um, things would be thrown and uh, stuff would be said and everything again in between. And... But I loved her. I loved I loved the call of this girl. Um, and I did. She had the makings to be a, a very, very lovely, lovely girl. And I always had in the back of my mind the idea that one day she'll change. And then bearing in mind I was young and very naive myself. And it's safe to say things never really changed at all. And we started a new job at a local place where I live at the time um, of Isle Highwood and Hull uh, it was like a bird's eye at the time and um, we both started this job at bird's eye just working on the lines and stuff um, there we was young we wanted to earn the money and we both got a job there and Stacey um, was a very talkative girl she was she was a um, pretty girl way out of my league don't get me wrong but she was very talkative more than happy to talk to anyone. Um, I wouldn't say she was very flirtatious. Um, she knew she was with me and she was happy with me, so I thought. Um, but some guy took her attention, um, and I can't remember his name. Is that long ago? Took her attention at this bed's eye place. I know this guy had a gay brother. Because the gay brother was really nice to talk to. Real lovely kid he was. Um, and it went slowly downhill after a, a period of a couple of weeks um, she was arguing arguing with me over uh, petty stupid things um, and then one day literally it just she just bled out I'm sure if I remember right it just bled out like I like this kid at, at bed I, and then she mentioned his name so I was like and um, that's fine and then they did well, I can't control that that's okay trying to be uh, a bit more grown up about the whole situation and she's like well um i'm i'm going to leave i'm going to leave i'm going i'm going to leave um as in me i'm going to split i want to split up here um and i'll move back home so i was like right okay whatever and that night i made the f- <sighs> just thinking about this now bring back memories that night i made the most horrible stupid decision never if anyone's listened to my words now never do this over any fucking female no one in this world is worth worth this no one your life to you is the most important thing the air you breathe and the brain that you think with is you 
do never do not change for any individual person you are who you are for you and no one else and i made the stupid decision of going to asda around the corner and buying um 32 is it ibuprofen the strongest power stimulant you can get i remember the red and white packets plastic packets like you can open them up and they're like plastic i remember that and going home to my apartment and I, I took all 32, all 32, and I remember just lying there in this little two-seated couch in the middle of this big front room with the TV on, and it takes a fair bit of time for these to kick in, and I'll never forget it, I start feeling really, really drowsy, like definitely one thinking straight, and I knew damn well as time was going by and these tablets were slowly kicking in, my body was slowly shutting down. And I do know now, it was a cry for help. It was a cry for help. I was young, I was stupid. But to take 32 of the strongest 500 milligrams, kind of like paracetamol, ibuprofen tablets, in one go, was a, a disastrous decision for me. It really was. And I took these tablets, and I remember trying to focus on the TV in the front room. I can't remember what was on the TV at the time, but... I couldn't focus on it. Now, I'd not drank hardly anything apart from the alcohol that I swilled these tablets down with. So I knew I wasn't pissed and I could not focus on this TV. And I remember my arms started to go floppy on both sides. So I was struggling to move. And I remember at that moment in time, absolutely shitting myself thinking, I'm going to die here. I'm going to die of a, of a hair? What? And... My arm reached down and as my arm started going floppy, I remember my fingers touching the carpet and as my fingers closed together, I, I clutched my phone. Couldn't believe it. I clutched my phone. And I remember rolling off the couch and I rolled off the couch with the phone in my hand and I speed dialed. So I just rang the last number basically, I think. Hmm. It was Stacey. I rang her up and I said, look, I've, I've taken 32 tablets. I made a massive error on my part. Um nothing is worth this um literally I'm, I'm i'm struggling and i think i'm I'm dying I, literally my body is just shutting down and i remember her saying how stupid it was and um it's not worth it and all that agreeing with what i was saying and all that stuff um and that i need to get myself to the hospital and i was like brilliant i'll, I'll give it a go kind of thing I'm like, yeah and i remember crawling out of my apartment down these big flight of stairs crawling because my legs would start working and give way start working and give way my body was slowly shutting down it really was and just outside my apartment was this taxi fare I remember standing on my own two feet and walking in and saying I need a taxi and this guy said oh there's one outside and I remember the door I just dropped the door and got him so I sat down by this point and I don't believe to this day, this taxi driver had any clue what I'd done or if I was on anything. I don't know because my body had hardly any strength in. To him, I probably looked pissed, to be honest with you. And I remember he said, oh, where do you want to go? And stupidly, I said Stacey's address. So I got dropped off at Stacey's address. Now, this is where it gets really blank for me. I remember... 
pulling a Potsdam Station address and I had hardly any strength left. I remember paying the taxi driver and getting out of the taxi and walking, trying to walk to the front door of Stacey's place where she was living. And I was seeing $50 with my own eyesight. Everything was just all over the place in my eyes. And I remember her coming out and I just collapsed on the floor. If I remember that day, I just went straight to deck. And then I remember standing back up with every bit of strength, pure to the fact because I didn't want to, in my head, didn't want to show her that I was affected or either um, doing this for attention. In my head, I was thinking this. So I managed to get back up and I remember going into the house and lying on the couch and then she called the ambulance. And I remember the ambulance picking me up. I was in the back of the ambulance and the guy was just shouting at me. He said, no fucking female is worth this. You should not even contemplate taking your own life off of any person. Not to mention a partner or ex-partner. And I remember these words radiating in my head as I was going to hospital. And I remember um, going into the A&E part of the hospital in a wheelchair. And they took me into this little side room. And they said, oh, we're going to have to pump you full of... Um, all I can remember is this black stuff. And to this day, I think, well, to this day, I know it was like this charcoal stuff that they put into you. So basically, they pump your body full of charcoal, which makes you regurgitate. So anything in your stomach gets brought back up, no matter what, because your body uh, will not take charcoal in, 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 in your bloodstream or in your, in your gut in any way, shape or form. So literally, they give me this cardboard, I call it like a cardboard hat, which look like a cardboard hat to me. And literally, you're sick in that. And they pumped my body full of this black stuff and literally left me in this little room to regurgitate everything that I'd taken. And I must have been there. Well, I was there all night, to be honest with you. I remember regurgitating this for two to three hours. And then when the nurses were happy enough that there was nothing left in my system, they took me up to the normal ward. And I think the hardest part of everything was when, um, when Stacey's family turned up. And all, I remember we all sat there and stood story stood there on the side of the bed and they were saying how oh, stupid I am and this, that, and the other. And not one of them turned around and said, why did you feel like you had to go down this route? Why didn't you speak? Why didn't you go down a different avenue? Why did you feel like you had to take your own life? It was nothing like that. It was more, you're an idiot. You shouldn't be doing this and you're taking your own life over a female and you need to move on. And they were the kind of things I was hearing at the time. And never forget that and i think the hardest definitely the hardest part has been of course they all left and the next morning um i remember the breakfast thing was going by do you know where they give out breakfast and stuff to everyone that's there um and i was lying in my bed and they said do you want anything to eat i said no i'm fine no no nothing at all i said oh, when can i go home they said oh you need to see a psychiatrist first before before the hospital will release you because you've tried taking your own life I remember getting sat down, and well, I sat down personally at this point, um, in front of this, uh, I call it doctor, psychiatrist, and he was asking me personal questions of uh, what do you think you achieved from it? Um, why did you do it? Um, what, did you want, what did you want to come from it? And literally, I was just saying to him, it was a cry for attention. I was being stupid, idiotic, and very immature, and doing it over a female, and trying to take my own life over a female was the worst decision I ever made in my life. And to this day, I just want to go home, get up into a ball and sleep it off and, and push on. And I said a few things in between, which I can't really remember. Anyway, they let me out and um, I got a taxi home. And 
remember climbing into my flat. Not climbing, it's the wrong word. I remember getting into my flat. And I didn't speak, I don't have any contact with any of my friends for probably the next four to five days. I just sat there mellowing in my own self-destruction body of hurtness and guilt, stupidity. And I remember my mate Brett and Daniel just literally turned up at the door, let themselves in, and they crawled up and... What's the word with a crawl? And they walked up and, and they see me and they said, well, where you been? We've not heard from you for like a fair number of days. Is everything all right? So like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine and stuff like that. And I tried to train that I'd done nothing wrong. I know to this day they both knew. I know they both knew. And, but they were there for me at the time and they helped me through as well. In their own way. Nine times I tell, I don't think they even knew that they helped me. Excuse me, that they helped me out. But they did. Horrible. Most horrible time of my life that was. That's the first time I've ever felt suicidal. First time and only time. Things like this made me who I am now. I'm nowhere, anywhere, shape or form stronger than anybody else. I aren't. But I know through the stupid choices that I've made in my life, it's made me who I am now. And I'll never go down that, that, that route again. And to this day, even now at 34, 35 years old, I still remember the day when I tried taking my own life and how it happened and what happened after it and and to build myself up from it and really hurts deep inside how I, I, I let myself go down that low of something so trivial. And... Uh, yeah, it's not. it wasn't great. It wasn't probably the worst time of my life. <sighs> but yeah so to that question I do sorry Stevie I went away with it a bit but this is the reason why I speak out because I've made some a lot of stupid decisions in the years that I've been on this earth and I'm young enough to make a change and when I split up from my last ex-partner of 10 years I knew changes had to be made and not just be made for for me but be made for my mental stability and pushing forward in life because if I didn't understand what my body was feeling how am I going to understand what my mind's feeling so I knew going to the gym eating healthily being more productive doing things that I want to do in life rather than sit on my ass and do fuck all and expect things to come to me that's my body wanting to do something and my mind will also curse out with it and join forces and that's just the the length and what I wanted to do and change change should not be a scary thing it can be a scary thing but making those big wise strong choices in life that only make you who you are and yes, you might fail on some. And yes, you might make the wrong decisions on a few. But you'll always career back onto that right path that your life was designated for. Life doesn't owe you anything. You are not going to be giving things for free. You are not going to have opportunities without fighting for them. 
you need to get people need to get that I needed to get that into my head that you need to go out there and fight for what you want to do in life and the wrong decisions that I made in the first 20 plus years of my life I believe now have made me who I am now in this life like a reborn kind of thing I suppose if you want to look at it that way um splitting up from my ex was the another strong horrible thing to go through but I was more prepared for it and I knew how to handle it and I knew what avenue I wanted to go down and again made mistakes I did but ultimately I knew this was the path that I am going to choose and this is what I'm going to do and this podcast is um, a thing that I also wanted to do it's the voice that I wanted to portray out to the world um, and men in general should not be scared to speak whether it's something petty or something large anything just open your mouth because there's one thing that has never been taken away from me especially from any ex from any partner and that is my voice and I believe everyone should utilise your voice to what you want it to be and the best way of any issues or any confusion that's going on in your life any hurt anything just talk to just speak up you might think it's the wrong choice and it might be the hardest choice to make but I will safely say now it'll be the best it will be the best because the more you leave that going on in your head is the more it starts chewing you up from inside and that you can't control because when it starts eating away from the inside you start making stupid not very wise decisions and I've been there and I've done that and I've definitely worn that t-shirt more than once and any advice Stevie thank you for your question I would definitely say just just be do what you want to do not many people not many men I don't think from what I've come across have spoke either online or um, I don't know about trying to um, take their own lives um, there's a few out there I wear my heart on my shoulder now I really do and if I can help one person just one just to change their decision in life that's it I'm, I'm happy with that I really am I really am um, but yeah so yeah definitely thank you for your question Stevie thank you seriously it's a question that goes right down to the bone with that one because I agree totally with every word you said um, yeah men should speak more and as I've just spoken about now I've made some stupid horrible decisions in my life and I'm now decided to speak more and I will keep going forward and speaking more and yes it's not weekly or daily but I, I do sit on my mic and I do talk and I do talk to my family a lot more not that they ever listen very much but that's another podcast in itself 
definitely another episode in itself that one but i do speak and it's definitely the best decision and best choice that i've ever made in my life and i do believe um that everyone else should do exactly the same no matter what situation you're in just talk about it because it's going to be the easiest and the best choice you've ever made in life it really is and yeah so well done england well done all sitting on their first win sorry about talking about my cat it was a it's a big loss a mega loss and keep your heads high everyone keep smiling it's your best feature and ultimately never give up keep pursuing your dreams and your desires and your thoughts and whatever you want to do in life never give up on that you are who you are for a reason and don't let anyone change that and influence that and um i do hope you've really enjoyed this episode i've enjoyed speaking about it talking about it but more importantly just opening up because we all have our demons we really do it's how we handle those demons that make us who we are individually and this has been season two episode five you've been listening to spiraling sense of freedom my name's been dave and i hope you can tune in for the next episode bye